0: see you uh, on this sunday morning i uh want to thank our av team and everyone working on the background this definitely isn't easy i was uh, we were having some sound difficulties and my role was to pull up uh, the advent video and it seems like i don't have the uh, edited version so i played the unedited one uh, but lavelle and pastor Howard, You both did very well, but my apologies there. Uh, This is uh, life, and this is the organicness of our church, and no matter what happens, uh, we continue to worship uh, this morning. Uh, Last week in Luke 1, 5 to 25, uh, we saw how we we looked at the story of Zachariah and and Elizabeth and how God enters into our emptiness and how our emptiness is made full in God, and today we continue on in this new, this three-part series. We're going to end it on Christmas Eve, but Uh, This part two of three on this series called Fear Not, uh, the uncancelled story of Christmas, as we learn and remember that even though this Christmas looks so different for many of us, Christmas is not cancelled. The story and the truth of Christmas continues on because the gospel continues on. Uh, What Jesus did and what God did and what the Holy Spirit did 2,000 years ago in that manger still resonates as impacted us to this very day. So today we're going to dive in deeper into the story of Mary as Katie just read for us and we're going to learn from the story of the mother of Jesus uh, from Mary and how the angel Gabriel spoke to her and there's some truth for us there this morning as well. Uh, be- as we get started let's just pray. Uh, Father we thank you Lord for your love and for your grace and for your kindness and it is because of you that we come and we worship and we're in an expectant um we wait in expectancy lord of what you're going to say to us so this morning uh, lord uh no matter where our hearts are no matter the no matter the weeks and the years that we've had uh, we're here to listen so may you give us hearts god uh to to hear and and eyes to see and may your words god just bounce off the page uh, this morning from your scripture that you give us a personal and holy word uh, be with me as well as i preach and as i speak words of truth uh, may it come from uh, your throne. Um, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, If you're in my life group, or you've been around me for any length of time, or maybe uh, you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me post this before, you would have known that within the realm of artistic ability, God has not given me much grace in that side of things in terms of art and my drawing skills, especially with painting, especially with drawing. And God hasn't given me much talent and gifting there. Uh, He's gifted me in other ways, uh, but in the realm of art, uh, as some of you can attest, definitely not so much. And as I remember my art journey, uh, it's in grade six where Mrs. P uh, I'm not gonna say her full name uh, was our, was the art teacher for the whole school but she was also my, my, my main teacher in grade six and uh, she was trying to teach us how to paint, how to draw and and the assignment uh, was to try to copy a I'm not sure what she was expecting from a grade six sir uh, to copy a famous painting out there and try to you know like like replicate it. Uh, so with my art skills, I tried the best that I did. I can't remember who, who I was trying to replicate even, uh, but what I want to remember seeing in one of the videos uh, that I was watching at that time was how, you know, you add art splatter, you know, paint splatter onto the canvas and it kind of looks cool and and it kind of turns out well. Well, I painted it and actually it was pretty good replica. I thought, and I I thought I would cover it with some paint, uh, paint, paint splatter. And I did that and. Uh, my friend, uh, Brad, which some of you have met, uh, was beside me and he saw my painting afterwards and started laughing. He's like, why did you do that? I think you just totally ruined it. This looked like a mess. But it was that, it was that, that uh, semester that I remember just being so, so sad uh, because of the grade that I got. Like, I remember my teacher pulling me aside afterwards and said that, oh, Douglas, did you really try? What are you doing here? You're not taking this seriously. And I remember getting all A's in all of my classes and then I got a C in art. A C in art like in grade six. And I felt like as, as interesting, as funny, you know, as long ago as, as that was looking back, it's funny how that C has defined me that I've looked back to that time and said, you know what, I'm, I'm a C student in art. Uh, I can never do it. And in high school, I never chose a single art class uh, because willingly or, or, or knowingly or not knowingly that kind of defined me. I let that C define me. I let what happened in the past shape my reality that I am not an artist and I'm not saying I am, uh, <laughs> but I let that moment shape who I am uh, today. Uh, to, so much so that I avoided many different kinds of arts uh, in life. And as I think about that, and we go into the story of Mary this morning, and we're all shaped by our past hurts. We're all shaped by what's happened to us and what we're going through. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was a loss. Maybe it was, it's what someone said to you, a friend or an acquaintance or some coworker. Or maybe a family situation, a family member. Uh, some of you have been told that you'll never amount to anything. Uh, you've been told you're a failure, or to be a man, or or just suck it up and not to have any emotions and whatnot. And some of us have have trauma from that. Uh, some bigger than others, and some of us maybe not as big as we feel. Uh, Some of us have dealt with it. Some of us think we've dealt with it. Some of us are pretending like nothing happened and we continue to brush it off. But yet that pain and that history is still in our lives and it rear its ugly head every once in a while. Somehow it makes its way into our life every day and the way that we live and the way that we talk, the way that we think about life. And one of the greatest lies, I I believe, as this truth, uh, these lies are in our, in our lives of maybe what has happened to you. And one of the greatest lies we're living in now is how our worth is found in what we have and what we can do. So like I shared how I was def- I'm was i defined by that sea and God's work through that in my life, as simple as that is. But often the greatest lies that we're living in now is that our worth is found in what we can do or what, what we can produce or what other people say about us or how much uh, knowledge we have, or how many relationships and friendships we have, or our financial situation or our education, that we fall back on that to allow that to define who we are. And we know this to be true, that you, 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 we dedicate our lives to whatever we think determines our value. So whatever it is we think is important, whatever it is that we think will affirm us or determine our value and our worth, we spend our lives pursuing that. But this morning in Luke 1, um, here in in the story of of Mary, uh, we see how God is the one that declares our value. I know that's simple, but follow along with me, stick with me, that God is the one that declares our value. And as we investigate the first advent, that's what we hear, the same truth that was proclaimed 2,000 years ago is the same truth that's going to be proclaimed over us here this morning, because if it's true that we dedicate our lives to, to, um, uh, to determine what our value is, to things that give us worth, then if God declares we are valuable, then it would make sense for us to understand what God means by that. It would make sense for us to dedicate our lives to God who says that his love is given to us freely. And, and are we willing to accept it? And are we really willing to live in that, in that truth? And we see this morning, the first thing is that God takes initiative in declaring our value, that before we even ask what our value is or what our worth is or what our purpose is, God takes initiative in declaring your value. Luke 1, 26 to 27, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. What we see here is that God sent right in the middle of verse 26 there. God sent. God, God is the initiator, and it's not self-proclaimed uh, our worth and our value and our status, but it's 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 from God. God is the initiator. It wasn't like Mary was looking and searching for an angel. It was God who sent the angel Gabriel, the same angel that spoke to Zachariah just a few verses before that. This is the same angel Gabriel that spoke to Daniel when uh, when Israel was in exile in Babylon. Uh, that this angel, was Gabriel, was sent by God himself to speak to Mary. So God is the initiator. God is uh, the sender here. It's in the past tense. God sent. Uh, It's been done. It was his initiative. And this tells us that our God is a a seeking God. Uh, He's a seeking God. He's a God who is on mission to seek and to find the lost. He is sending and seeking today as well, not just 2000 years ago, but he's still doing that every single day around the world, around the globe. He's seeking and searching for the lost, for those to come back and to know him and to be in a relationship with him. But here we see he sends Gabriel specifically to Mary. Uh, He sends Gabriel to Nazareth, a small town that's off the beaten path. And that shows us that there's no boundaries in terms of who he sends to, uh, who he speaks with, uh, and where there's no boundaries to where he would go. There's no place that's uh, not good enough uh, for him. Uh, that's too lowly for him. Uh, he chooses to send to speak to Mary in the town of Nazareth. And that's good news for us. It's good news for us, because why? Well, humanity, since the garden stores, in the Garden of Eden, uh, we've been hiding. Uh, We've been hiding, but not the game of hide and seek, because we don't really want to be found. We just want to hide. We want to be covered up because of our sin and brokenness. Remember, what's the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they uh, ate of the fruit and they knew they weren't supposed to do it? Uh, The very first thing they did was to put on clothes. Uh, they were hiding themselves from God and, and they're trying to separate themselves from God. So we see here in humanity, we have that in our DNA it's to hide and to cover ourselves. And, and some of us are very good at that. We hide our shame. We hide, hide our sin. We hide our brokenness, but our God is a God who takes initiative in sending himself to us into our brokenness, into our emptiness. He takes initiative in declaring our value before we even knew we have value. And again, for for all of us, this is this is good news. Instead of allowing us to cling and claw through life and struggle, or worse yet, to think we have it all together and just to at the end of end of our lives to realize it was all for nothing, instead of allowing that to happen, God takes initiative. God sends Himself to us. God came into the situation in this situation, here to Mary specifically, to a poor unmarried and young woman and and I mentioned that last week with Zachariah comparing Mary to Zachariah who was a person of status uh, comparing Mary to Zachariah and here we see Mary being young and unmarried and poor so in other words kind of forgotten in that society forgotten in that time worse yet in a small town off a beaten path but yet God sends and searches and gives new purposes and I believe that's to to be said to, for us today that that is true as well. And what's even more amazing besides going to, to speak to uh, Mary, a person that's young and poor and unmarried, and we keep repeating that because that's important for us. What's even more amazing is that God initiated contact with Mary when humanity was still enemies of God that we didn't do anything to have relationship with God. There's there miles of sin separating us that we can never even come close to God, but God initiates and sends himself while we're still enemies. and reminds us of a recent Roman series in Romans 5.10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? That it was when we were enemies of God that God sent himself. To you and to me and to Mary 2,000 years ago to reveal himself and show our value and show our worth. And what is it that the angel says? Well, let's continue reading. Verse 28 The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Uh, If you were her, you will probably wonder. I would have wondered as well. uh, Where was she in this setting? We're not really sure. Uh, The angel appears and says this blessing uh, over her. But the question I have is, why was God's favor upon Mary? remember God's the one that took initiative, right? But why did God take the initiative? Why was God's favor upon Mary? Well, when we talk about Mary, it usually goes in two directions, right? We usually put her up into a sainthood. She is perfect and sinless and, and immaculate uh, that we can't touch her or say anything negative uh, about her. Uh, that's who she is. Or it's the other side where we, we downplay her altogether. Don't talk about her at all. Uh, so we either make her divine or we kind of make her nothing. and. I think this morning, there's a little bit more to that. We don't need to be so extreme. Uh, There's truth for us here this morning. But here we see, why does God have favor upon Mary? It it wasn't because Mary was better than anyone else. Uh, It wasn't because she had great credentials and accolades. It wasn't because she was perfect and and sinless. Uh, There was actually nothing inherently good about Mary. Uh, Nothing inherently good about Mary that God would choose Mary. So we see in the four gospels. And so we see in in the text. And I would argue this, that Mary is highly favored simply because God says so. And that's a simple point. We have value because God says we have value. So God takes initiative to Mary and sends an angel to Gabriel and they speak this favor over her, this blessing over her. And why does he do it? Well, why does she have value? She has value simply because God says, she has value. We too in the, in 2020 have value because God says we have value. $20 is worth $20 because it's been declared to be worth $20. We are declared to have value because God has taken that initiative and has stated that truth and that claim over us. God is the one that declares our values, not the ways of the world, not people of this world, not, not our job not our statuses or any accolades that we might have god is the one who declares our value and we are valuable simply because god says we are valuable now this phrase for highly favored though i'm going to give mary some credit as well this phrase for highly favored should be translated it could be translated as literally you who have been given grace you who have been graced so this favor that she's receiving is not because of anything she's done but it's from grace something that she hasn't earned or deserved. There are other forms of this word for grace as well found throughout scripture, but this only form of grace of highly favored is only found here, Uh, only found in this context here in the entire new Testament. So this means that Mary is the only one who has ever been called highly favored. We'll have to give her that, that she is unique and she is special that though we all receive favor from God, it's true that there's only one who is highly favored. Mary, Because why? Well, who else has ever carried and given birth to the Savior? Uh, Who else has ever given birth to Jesus, the Lord, the Savior of humanity? No one else. So Mary definitely is highly favored in that way. But there's more to be understood here. Jesus speaks into this, that though though Mary has this status of giving birth to the Savior, we see later in Luke 11, when Jesus was casting out demons and preaching to, to the crowd, there's a woman that shouts out in the crowd in Luke 11, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And I, I don't know how Mary must have felt uh, as she heard Jesus say this, if she was there, or the times that uh, she, uh, Mary kind of, uh, Jesus kind of says Mary is important, but following God is even more important. Uh, I don't know how Mary would have felt, but Jesus replies in verse 28, blessed rather, it's not Mary, Mary is blessed, sure, but blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So for us here, 2020, as we live out and obey the word of God, we are also counted as favored. We are also counted as blessed and graced by, by God himself. And I believe Mary knows this. Mary knows this because of uh, we notice her her, her humility in the way that she replies. She didn't start running up and down the streets when the angel Gabriel said, you're a highly favored. And she didn't go r- running up and down the streets of the village and saying, look at me, look at me, everyone. Look, God has chosen me. She didn't say, it's all oh, because of my accolades, because I trusted God, because of every, everything I've done, that like, I had deserved God's favor. She didn't say, well, angel Gabriel, it's about time you showed up uh, I, and told me what I deserve. Like she didn't do any of that you would think she would have been grinning and celebrating as if she won a million dollars. But what we see in her reply was this, that Mary, not verse 27, 29, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was troubled by this. She was troubled by the way that Gabriel spoke to her. And maybe that's because though she's poor and though she's young and though she's unmarried, she knows the history of her people. How being singled out by God, even though it's a blessing, it's one to be feared. Because even though you're called by God and singled out by God, this also means a life of hardship, a life of trial, a life of suffering, which she will endure, which she will experience later on. So she understands this calling that there's this reverence to a call of God. It's not to be taken nonchalantly. Well, I'm blessed and I'm loved and, 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 and that's it. No, there's a weight to it. And Mary understands that. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Gabriel tells her not to be afraid, to fear not, specifically Mary. And I love that. Just like in Zechariah, called him by name, here calls Mary by name, calls Her by name. I love that. The angel knows her by name, specifically a call onto Mary. No matter how tough the road ahead it's going to get, you have found favor. You have found favor with God, and God declares your value. God declares how much you are worth. And maybe Gabriel tells her a little bit more, not recorded in, in, in the Gospels, a little side conversation that happens. Maybe Gabriel tells her that even though the situation is less than ideal, that she is going to be the mother of the promised Messiah. And she used to name him Jesus, which we read, which means savior and Jehovah is salvation. And, and it adds on this conversation saying, don't be afraid, even though you're going to experience pregnancy, you're going to experience the pain of childbirth. Don't be afraid. Fear not, not uh, even though you are going to give birth, not in a clean home, but in a stable, though she'll grow old and watch her son beaten and crucified right in front of her. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you have found favor with God and God is with you. God declares your value. God declares your worth. Don't let the world do that. God is the one that defines you and your worth and your value. Then unlike Zachariah's reply last week, which was one of doubt, which was one of laughter, one of disbelief, Mary replies in this way. How, In verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Even though Zachariah's question was one of doubt and disbelief, Mary's was a question, not of whether God can do it, but how. Mary's asking how, how God will you be doing this? How God will you be fulfilling your plan in my life? I remember when I was called, I felt the call to full-time ministry and to serve God and to learn more and to grow myself through seminary. I remember taking on that call from God. And my next prayer to God was this. I experience your call. I fear your call. I hear your call, but how, how are you going to provide? Because God, if you called me, then you're going to have to provide because I sure don't have the resources. I sure don't have the finances. I sure don't have, understand the way to it. So you better provide if this is your calling and your will. And she's thinking here, hmm, okay, as he, she hears that from Gabriel, okay, God, like, can you fill me in a little bit here? I hear your call. I hear what you're, you're saying, but can you fill me in a little bit here? You see, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm a virgin literally translated as never known a man. So how can this be? So how are you going to do this exactly? And some of you are asking the same thing today, as you hear the call of God in your life and whatever it is, he's calling you to pursue and whatever it is that he's going to do in your own life. You're asking the question of how, how can I do this when I don't have that education How can I do this when I'm in this family situation? How can I do this when my finances are like this? How can I do this when I'm not good at that? How can I do this when this or that? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. I'm not good enough. I can't do it because of whatever reason. But God speaks truth over us this morning and into your life. Because why was the virgin birth important? Yes, it's fulfilling a prophecy as we read in Isaiah 7 that the Messiah will come from a virgin. Yes, it definitely fulfills a a prophecy, but why a virgin though? Like, still why does it have to be a virgin? And I believe this to be true for us this morning, that God isn't intimidated by impossible, that that's our God that we follow. That impossible situations do not limit our God. And he's using this as an example. God isn't intimidated by our impossible situation. God is intimidated by that impossible situation that you've been praying for, because out of this impossibility comes a miracle that we're about to see. But perhaps then a big reason why God chooses Mary is because of this, why he has found favors because he was looking for an impossible situation here. And this is exactly where I'm gonna act. This is exactly the opportunity where I'm going to show my power. Poor, young, unmarried, not a problem. Small town Nazareth, not an issue. Virgin, okay, well, let's see what we can do about that impossibility. Against all the grain of that culture, God does the impossible. And that's what we see here. God loves doing that. God loves doing the impossible. And we see here with, with Mary that the bar has been set so high in terms of the impossibility of what God can do. If God can do this, bringing a baby from a virgin, what can't he do? That's what we're to see here in the story of Mary this morning. That's how far God is willing to show our worth and our values, that God is the one that declares our values. How far will He go to show us how loved we are? Again, Mary was poor, young, and unmarried, and now she's going to be pregnant, putting her even lower on the social ladder. Not the best situation to be in now, and especially not in that time and context. It doesn't seem like that situation was really in her favor, but. The angel declares she is highly favored. God declares that she is favored. The situation she's in doesn't declare her how loved she is, how valuable she is. God is the one, and maybe she doesn't even feel that way. I'm not sure you ever thought about this. What's the meaning of the name Mary? I talked about that about Zachariah and Elizabeth's name and Jesus' name being uh, Yahweh, uh, meaning Savior, and Yahweh is salvation. But what does Mary mean? Mary uh, in the Greek um, is Maria, but in that time would have been Hebrew for her, which is Miriam. If you remember some of our last community learning lessons and, and conversations we've gone on, Miriam actually means bitter. Miriam means bitter and rebellion, that out of a bitterness, out of a rebelliousness, comes the birth of a savior. Let's marvel at that at a moment. That's what God chooses to do. Like maybe even in her in the hard life that she's lived, God is going to birth in her a miracle. Something amazing, something so awesome that even she can't fathom or even think of that even in the bitterness that there is redemption. That there is hope, that there is love, that it is our God who declares value upon a situation, upon your life. So our situation doesn't determine whether we're favored or not. God declares it. God declares and God is intimidated by that impossible situation where you said, I'm too far gone. That person is too far gone. No, nothing is too impossible. God is able. And yet I like the angel Gabriel's response here. I'm not sure what you think about this. Unlike to Zachariah, he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Gabriel responds to, Mary in this way, the angel answered, the Holy spirit will come on you and the power of of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Let me ask you this question here as you read, as you read that, would that be enough of an answer for you? Would that be enough of an answer? Uh, what does this even mean as I read this, as you read this for the first time, maybe? It's like when you ask someone a question uh, and the answer they gave you is even more complicated than the question they asked in the first place. Like that's kind of the situation here. Like what kind of answer is this from, 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 uh, G- from Gabriel? But I love how Mary responds, even though it doesn't make sense in my mind or that it doesn't make sense in that situation or what does that even mean? Mary responds in this way in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I love that she doesn't put her own understanding into who god is she doesn't let her own understanding of god declare who god is she doesn't put god in a box she doesn't allow her past experiences or what she's experienced to now determine what god can do she doesn't need all the boxes checked out in order for it to make sense in order to believe and have this faith in, in god she faithfully follows god into the unknown into who he says he is And some of us need to hear this this morning, that you're in the crest of experiencing the wonders and the miracles of God, but you're too afraid to take that step forward because you're waiting for all those boxes to be checked out, to be checked off. Well, this is what I understand of God. This is what I know of God. Therefore, God can only be up to my understanding, but God cannot be contained to a box. God, it's greater than we can imagine. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His understanding is higher than our understanding. And we must learn from Mary in this way, to follow in faith and to be like, I I may not feel favored this morning. I might not feel like I'm blessed this morning. It might not feel like I'm experiencing grace this morning, but I'm going to press into that and walk forward in that truth and to go forward and follow God. Because ultimately this morning, I want to end with this point, that it wasn't just because of the impossible situation that Mary was in. It wasn't just because God wanted to declare that Mary is valuable. It's because of this, God declares our value by giving us Jesus, that, God, that Mary is highly favored because of what's to come. And that namely, it's Jesus. She is going to be highly favored because she's going to give birth to a savior. And all of us are going to be favored as well, because we are going to have Jesus. God declares our value ultimately by giving us Jesus. And I would like to suggest to us this morning that she is favored, just like the rest of us. It's not just Mary, that we're all favored. She's the only one highly favored. I said that already, but we're all favored, not because of what she has done or anything inherently within her, but because of who Jesus is. That God is the one that declares our value. Notice the terms. uh, uh, There's some texts I haven't gone through that are really, really important. I want to like to end with uh, this morning. And these terms, these texts reveal who jesus is reveals the importance of who this jesus is that that is to come this messiah that we have that is to come we see in luke 131 to 32 you will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him jesus and he'll be great and will be called the son of the most high we see that jesus is 100 percent man and also 100 percent god he's he's also of the flesh he's the word become flesh but he's also divine he's like mary will give birth to a son human being, but he will also be called a son of the most high. So he will be great. Luke confirms his humanity, but also confirms his divinity. And that's such good news for us that he wasn't just a regular man who walked on the earth, but he's both human and perfectly divine. We also see here in Luke 32, B to 33, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end this Jesus, he is a king. He has a throne. He will reign, and his kingdom is going to be forever. Not just for a momentary time, but forever. From, from eternity past to eternity forward, he will reign, and he is reigning, that he is a king. We'll see also that he is holy. 35B, so the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Some of you in your Bibles have a, a footnote, Uh, that says this so the holy one will be called uh, so the holy one to be born will be called holy again repeats that word the son of god so we see here that jesus he is holy he is separate he is totally different and apart from the rest of the world so much better so much greater than what we can imagine this is the jesus that we follow and lastly we see this in verse 37 for no word from god will ever fail that this jesus that we follow he is a promise keeper He's a promise keeper, and he never falls back on his word. I don't have it up here, but in verse 27, who is Mary engaged to? He's engaged to Joseph, and Joseph is a descendant of Jesus. So Jesus' father, his legal father, was a descendant of David, hence putting him in line in the throne, in the divinic line as well. Why is that important? well, this is a fulfillment. As we look in the Old Testament all the way to the New, this is the fulfillment of God's promise after promise after promise that God is a promise keeper. Whatever he has said to you and to me will come to pass. That whatever God declares over you and our value will come into reality and fruition because our God is a promise keeper. So I say to you this morning, who says that God can't take that broken situation in your life, that impossible situation, and turn it for good. Who says that? Is it God? Or is it you? Or is it our situation and our culture around us is telling us that? Who are we listening to? Though none of us are merry, no no one will ever be merry. For those who believe and have faith in God, we too are favored. You are favored this morning. I hope you will hear that. And no matter how you're feeling this Christmas, no matter how you're feeling during this Advent season, no matter what weight of the world and what people are saying upon you and how you're, you're experiencing it, that doesn't declare who you are. God is the one who declares your value. Maybe you're feeling like you're a nuisance to your family or you're a nuisance to society and it's better that you're not here altogether. Maybe you feel like you can't do anything important and that you have no worth. Or maybe you even wonder why any of this matters in life at all. We hear this morning that you are valuable, that you are loved. And this Christmas, we are reminded we do not need to fear because we follow a limitless God. There's no one that could take that away from you. There's nowhere you could go that you can hide from God. Uh, God has already declared to you how valuable you are. He already came as a form of a baby. He didn't have to, but he did that. He already went onto the cross to die a death he didn't deserve to show us and to declare to us how much we are loved, how much we are worth. Now, it doesn't mean everything's going to be okay, like in the life of Mary. But we do know that ultimately, at the end, even though life isn't easy, that we're going to be with him forever. That it's going to be a place where there's no more fear, no more tears, only dancing and joy, streets made of gold. That's the place for us as we believe in Christ. That's the place that we're holding on to. And that's what we're reminded of. And that's why we celebrate during this Christmas season. So I pray that this message will remind you that God's hand in his favor is upon you this season and that he's greater things purpose for you than even you know. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your love. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you, Lord, for the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, how you took that young, unmarried, and poor woman and you gave her her worth and our status in the same way we learned from that this morning, God, that we aren't defined by the ways of the world, but we're defined by you. And you say we are loved. You say we are known. You say, God, that You we are so loved that you would send your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. May that truth reign over us this morning when we hold on to that truth, that Jesus, you declare our worth. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen thanks for that encouraging and powerful